Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. Acts chapter 2. It says this, verse 22. Peter is preaching. People of Israel, listen. Because really they were paying attention to the 120. This is on the day of Pentecost when the Spirit of God fell on everyone and they were speaking in an unknown tongue and they were baptized in the Spirit and they were looking on and they thought that they were drunk. They thought that they were out of their minds. But Peter said, people of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus. You know, when God endorses you, that is the biggest endorsement you can have. Not Nike, not Adidas. God endorses you. So when God endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing wonderful miracles, wonders, powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know, but God knew what would happen, and he prearranged, his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed with the help of lawless Gentiles referring to the Roman Empire with the help of the lawless Gentiles who nailed him to a cross and killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life for death could not keep him in its grip. I want you to think about that for a moment. Death had a strong grip. In fact, no one up until the time of Christ was able to escape the grip of death once experienced it. Jesus was able to escape. King David said this about him, and this is King David in the Psalms prophesying. I see that the Lord will always, is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is on my right side beside me. He is on my right beside me. No matter, no, no wonder my heart is glad. My tongue shouts his praises. My body rests in hope, for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You have shown me the way of life, and you will fill me with the joy of your presence. Dear brothers, now this is Peter talking, and he's about to explain what David meant. Dear brothers, think about this. You can be sure that the patriarch David wasn't referring to himself. For he died and was buried. And his tomb is still with us here among us. But he was a prophet. And he knew God had promised with an oath that one of David's own descendants would sit on the throne. David was looking into the future and speaking of the Messiah's resurrection. Now, he's saying this to the entire nation of Israel. He has a big crowd there. This is the guy who didn't have the backbone to stand around the campfire and admit he was a disciple. This is the guy who tried to take a sword and cut off the ear to the high priest's servant. This guy was endued with power and had a boldness in his life now, standing up face to face with thousands of people and is telling him, he was saying that God would not leave him among the dead and allow his body to rot in the grave. God raised Jesus from the dead. 
very plain, very simple. God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. How many witnesses do we have in this church this Sunday morning? How many witnesses online that are watching us right now? Give us a thumbs up. Give us a praise. Come on, if you know that we are witnesses, let me just stop right there for a moment. Has God ever healed you in your body? Has God ever forgiven you of your sins because you knew you felt the peace and the love of God? Has God even saved your loved ones? Has God done a miracle in your life somehow? Can somebody testify to that? Now somebody say, Jesus has risen. Turn to somebody and tell them, I am proof. I shouldn't be here, but I am here. Now he is exalted to a place of honor, the highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us, just as you see here today. Somebody say amen. Now all together, will you say this with me? Say, Lord Jesus, bless this service right now. Prepare my heart and touch the preacher. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. God bless you. Thank you for standing. Jesus is alive. The only proof we need is the experience. And the, and the, and the day we're living in, the culture that we're dealing with right now, you can preach the scripture and give theological evidence in the Greek, in the Hebrew, but that doesn't matter now. Because anybody can sermonize and anybody can give a message. You can be eloquent in speech. You can be charismatic. Uh, it's an old philosophy that we got from the Greeks. When you look at the history of wars and people who took over nations, it was the Roman Empire that actually began to take over nations, and they took over the Greeks, the, Greece, the Grecians. And really what happened was they adopted their philosophy. Their philosophy of thinking was is that you were naturally born with leadership and capabilities to lead others if you had blonde hair, blue eyes, and, and, and light-skinned and were of a certain height. Then the gods had chosen you to do a great thing. And that's how they judged their world. And the Roman Empire adopted that mindset. Rome was the only superpower that ever took and dominated the entire world as they did. But when Jesus came during that time frame, I don't know if he had blue eyes. I doubt he was a blondie. I don't know how high he was in height. But I do know that when the prophet Isaiah began to describe him, that he was nothing fancy to look at. That we would look on him and he would be as normal as anyone else. And for that reason, I believe in during that time, people overlooked him because like David, who prophesied, David was overlooked too. But isn't it amazing whom God would choose to use I know for a fact that I wouldn't have chose me, but here I am, surprise. 
God seeks people's hearts. And when Jesus came into this world, he had no other motive except to do the will of his father. And he was sold out. And he never took a bargaining chip from the other side. He never accepted anything else. He, you couldn't bribe Jesus. You couldn't manipulate him because Satan had nothing in him. But what was in him was so precious and so pure it caused him, and it was because of that, that he was the Lamb of God that gave us a chance. Because what happened on Golgotha's hill was so sacred in the eyes of God, the ultimate sacrifice had been given. But he didn't go through all of that just for himself. He didn't go through and experience a hopeless situation because that's what Calvary was. Calvary was a hopeless situation for most. In fact, there were two thieves, and there was one that gave his life to Jesus in that moment. And he said, Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. They were destined for eternal damnation, but because at the last minute, someone said, don't forget me, Lord. He said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Hope. Hope on a cross. But Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, sabachthani. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Signifying releasing the spirit from the body that the body might die. Then he cried out, and other commentaries, other writers of the gospel said that he cried out, it is finished. I'm here to tell you that that was the, probably the most loneliest moment in history ever recorded that I know of where everybody was looking at him. Everybody speculated. Look, he cries out to Elijah, one of the prophets. They were mocking him. Before his last breath, they gave him sour wine that was bitter, gave it to him to drink. It was said that that wine that was there, I don't know who left it there, what it was for. I don't know if it was part of the process of what they would give them during the crucifixion, but it was old, smelly, fermented, horrible, the bitter taste. I think the correlation to that would be, isn't it, the irony, isn't it kind of ironic how Jesus prayed in the garden, Lord, I don't want this cup, but nevertheless, I'll take it and I'll drink it if you want me to. The bitter cup. Everything that happened in his life for every hopeless moment, for every moment of agony, from every moment of crucifixion, of stripes, of, of piercings, of the crown of thorns on his head, everything preliminary event to the cross was going to be a benefit for you and I at the resurrection. Yes. Everything that happened before the cross and at the cross would be now a benefit. If Jesus came out, if Jesus were to rise up again, if that pierced body 
that body that had many lashes, if that body that had been sped on, that body that had been accused, the body that was mocked, the body that took on the crown of thorns, if that body would come out on the other side okay and made whole, then that was good news for you and I. And this was the message that the apostle Peter was trying to convey. This Jesus whom you crucified was the Messiah. He was the chosen one. But don't worry. In other words, paraphrasing, he said that you think he's dead, but what you're seeing here is his spirit that's made us alive. And we are witnesses of these things. Jesus is alive. And he has been placed on the highest throne in the heavens, continuing the promise of David. When God told David, you won't lack a son or lack a king to sit on your throne, it was Jesus he was talking about. And they knew it, but they, they conveyed the thought Peter did. And when he said, you see what's going on here? Do you see what's happening right now? Do you see all these people that you think are crazy? I want you to look around right now. Look at all the people around you. Again, one more time, raise your hand if you, you know that Jesus is real. Raise your hand if you know that God has healed you. Raise your hand if you ever experienced a miracle. Now look around. I want to tell you, you're surrounded. They're all around you, not just in this church, but all over the world. And this is the proof that Jesus came alive. It's really the words that I have to convey to you and the scripture that I show you, it does a lot of good. But it's what you feel in your spirit. It's what you feel when you go to God. It's what you feel when you hear the truth. It's what you feel when you sing praises that gives us proof that he did overcome. But what you are feeling inside of you is called resurrection power. What you are feeling inside of your soul is the resurrection. The same power that brought him out of the grave can bring you out of your mess, can bring you out of your sickness, can bring you out of your depression. It can bring you out of your misery. It can bring you out of broken relationships. He is alive. Somebody say, he's alive. He is alive. Everything that happened was for our good. I want to read you the amplified version of Isaiah 53 and 5. The amplified version. I want you to look at this. This is the amplified version. It just breaks it down differently sometimes. It helps us understand. It said Isaiah prophesied of Jesus, but he was wounded for our transgressions. Our rebellious state. God knew that you and I would rebel. I want you to take the word R and put my transgression. What's a transgression again? It's the rebellious state of humanity. It's when you and I had chose to go against what we know was right in the eyes of God. He was wounded just for that moment or those times in our life. And listen to what it said. He was crushed for our weak wickedness. Our wickedness. It means our sin, our injustice, our wrongdoing. Crushed. I wonder 
I've contemplated this and wondered what it was that crushed him. Was it the Roman torture? The whip? The force of military might? Or was it the weight of the sin of the whole world that crushed him? Either way, the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valley, was crushed and gave off a fragrance. And that fragrance was mercy. He was crushed for our wrongdoing. Somebody say, can you say with me today? He was crushed for me. He was crushed for me. The punishment or what was required for our well-being fell upon him. The only way for you and I to be made whole is through Jesus Christ. How is that, Pastor Bobby? Wholeness is all of you, body, soul, spirit. And the blood of Jesus is the only thing that can redeem the spirit and the soul. Good living can help correct your body. Healthy living, vitamins, sometimes medicine can help you at least patch it for a little while. But I will tell you that God still heals. Because look at the next verse. The prophet said it. And by his stripes, wounds, say, I am healed. Number one, the resurrection was for you. The resurrection was for you. To eliminate everything and erase and eradicate and reverse everything that happened in the life of Christ. The same spirit that brought him through it gets you through it as well. Eternal life is given through Christ, but I'm here to tell you that eternity can still be experienced in this life here. You can still experience the goodness of God. You can take your circumstance and give it to him and let him put hope and life and joy and peace and love if we'll surrender it to him, if we'll give it to him, if we'll allow ourselves to at least have the, the realization of what that stripe entailed. Those whips had lashes, bones on the end of them. Those were lashes that went deep into the skin. These are something, this is something that wasn't, the, it, trust me, it wasn't the kind of spanking you got when you did wrong, when you were little by your mom and dad. What Jesus went through ripped his skin, wounded him, opened him, he bled, and then he had to carry the cross, but he did it for you. Amen. He did it for you. Amen. If you have ever felt God, that's why he did it, so you can feel him. But feeling God isn't enough. God wants to do more in our lives. We create the barriers with our thinking, with our religious mindsets. We create barriers by putting limitations on God. When God has already said, because I gave him holy. 
God gave His only begotten Son. He just didn't give a portion of Him. He gave Him all. And because He gave the whole thing, body, soul, and spirit, you and I can be made whole body, soul, and spirit. And the scripture says, and we are complete in him. We are made complete in him. So what is it today? What is it? Do you need something spiritually? Jesus paid the price. Do you need something emotionally? Something in your soul? Something in your mind? Jesus paid the price. Do you need a healing in your body? Do you need God to touch you? Do you need God to... Listen, there are two types of healings and miraculous works that God does. One is instant and one is a process. And because many people don't get a miracle when they're prayed for, they deny themselves being made whole. Miracles happen instantaneously, but most of the time people have faith for healing and it's a progression. But if you want God to begin the healing in your life, let it begin today. But don't let it stop here. Continue to walk with him on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, and Thursday. God can heal and God does heal. But he paid the entire price. And here's why he did it. Point number two. He did it. Jesus rose so you could rise. Jesus rose so you can rise. He rose so you can rise. He gave us a place and a position in the family, in the kingdom of God that sets us apart from everyone else. We are the beloved of God. You are bought with the price. You have been purchased by the blood. You have been forgiven by the only one who could forgive sins, and that's Jesus Christ. Jesus was more than a tool and a vehicle. Jesus was even more than the Son of God. He was the very God manifest in flesh for all humanity. He was the Word of God made flesh according to John chapter 1. And we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Not only was He a man, He was God-man. Not only could He swim, He could walk on water. Not only did He eat lunch, He fed the 5,000. Not only could He pray for a headache, He could also see the leper heal. Not only did He go to the funerals, He rose them out of the grave. There was a human side, but there was a God side as well. On his mother's side is what you saw the humanity, but on his father's side is where you saw the supernatural. He was more than just a man. He was God-man in flesh. That's why the demons couldn't stop him. That's why when he just stepped outside the boat, the one who had legions of devils came and ran to him and bowed down before him. It wasn't just a man. It was thousands of devils in that man. There wasn't a sickness Jesus couldn't heal. There wasn't a demon he couldn't cast out. There wasn't a miracle he couldn't perform. There wasn't a place he went to. He didn't change the region. Somebody say he had resurrection power. He had resurrection power. 
Mary and Martha, they said, had you been here, Lord, he wouldn't have died. He said, he's just sleeping, guys. That's what resurrection says. That's what resurrection makes you think like. When you have the anointing in your life, you'll look at situations that look impossible and go, hmm, that's nothing because nothing's impossible for God. The resurrection will make you start thinking differently. It'll make you think differently, but you got to spend time with it. You have to spend some alone time with it because it is influential. It will change your thinking. It'll change your mind, and it will cause every dead thing in your life to rise up again. Every broken dream can be made alive again. Every unfulfilled calling can be, can be made alive again. You know why some people, I'm going to talk to somebody, you know why some people run from God? Because they know they have a calling in their life. And they know if they get closer to God, God's going to resurrect it and bring it back in their life. Why are you scared? Though you can't you can run all you want to, but God's going to get you. Because we're not going to stop praying. We're not going to stop praying. Somebody say he's unstoppable. You've got limitless hope because there are no limitations in our mind concerning what happened to Jesus. Nothing could stop him from coming out of the grave. You see, death could not hold him. I want you to think about that for a moment. Death, its grip, could not stop him. It's almost as if grip, the grip of death tried getting a hold of Jesus and Jesus just went... Right? You ever done that to your kids before they, you know, I want some of those cookies. <laughs> cookies. I couldn't think of anything else. I want that. That's how your kids learn when they're small. You either be one of two types of parents. You'll be the one that hide the expensive stuff high on the shelf so the kids don't get it, or you leave it there and teach your kids not to touch it. One of those two. God is a type of father that will allow you to touch something and prove to you later, uh, you're not supposed to do that. He'll correct you so you'll learn that way you'll learn. Have you ever wondered why sometimes we are walking with God and he doesn't allow us to do certain things and then after a while, if you will it, you, he'll just let you do it? He's a good father. He loves you so much. If you're struggling in an area and things aren't flowing the way you thought they're going to flow, why don't you give him a chance? Why don't you let him teach you what to touch, what to get involved with, what to do, what decisions to make, because nothing can stop the resurrection. Sometimes the resurrection comes in the form of wisdom, understanding, and favor. Sometimes it comes in the form of demonstration and power. But all I know is, is that because he lives, I live too. Because he lives, I live too. Romans chapter 8. I have to come to a close. Romans chapter 8 says it like this. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same living Spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. Don't feel obligated to go by your feelings and do what you want and do what you feel. Listen to this. 
For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. That's the hope of the gospel. I will live. Somebody say, I am alive. Watch this. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. So you have not received the Spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you receive God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children, and now you call Him Abba Father. That's like saying Daddy. That's like saying Daddy. It's a term of endearment. It's a term that a child says to their daddy, an intimate moment of crying out. It's personal. God, who was distant by religion and by sin through Jesus, became personal to you and I. You can call him daddy. You can call on your daddy. You can call on your spiritual father for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are the children of God. That we are the children of God. I want to leave you with this right here. And I want to say it one more time. And I want you to say with me in conclusion. Because he lives, I'm alive. Come on, Haley. Because he lives, I'm alive. This Resurrection Sunday, this is what we're doing. We don't want you to hear a message and just go home. We want to be here to let God demonstrate he's alive. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.